Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, if you are new here to NCC, I want to take a moment and just introduce myself. My name is Aaron and I am the lead pastor here at NCC, and we are so excited if you're joining us. Maybe this is your first or second week here at New Community Church. We are a church that's passionate about making people and places new. We believe this is the vision God has called us to, and so we're always looking for ways to be present in the community. We're doing that through the, um, home, through the lunches that we're packing for homeless students. We're delivering meals to homeless families this Thanksgiving um, as a church, and we're serving in our elementary schools this holiday season. And all of that are just ways that we're looking to say God continually use us in the community to reach out and to bring change and transformation. And we are, we've been in this series called The Tipping Point, and I want to say thank you so much to everyone um, that was praying for me last week, all the texts and the Facebook messages. I woke up last Saturday night, and I had food poisoning. And so I was trying to make it to Sunday morning service, and there was just no way. I just kept on getting sick, and I was sick um, all the way through Sunday afternoon and finally started to feel better throughout the week. So thank you so much. Pastor Spencer jumped in last minute and um, shared the second message in the series of The Tipping Point, where we've been talking about God's finances. And he did um, a great job just kind of getting a call early Sunday morning and saying, hey, I need you to preach. I'm not going to make it. But, you know, this week as we were looking at this message, I woke up. Yesterday morning, I didn't have my phone really a lot on me on um, Friday, but Saturday morning when I woke up, I was scrolling through some of the news feeds and I saw what probably all of us have seen at this point about everything that happened this weekend in Paris, all of the terrorist attacks. And I was laying there in bed and I was reading some of the news feeds of, of what went on, of the lost um, lives that were, that were taken there by the terrorists um, in Paris and all of those things. And man, my heart just became heavy. And I was reading about other things that were going on and, and praying about that. There was an earthquake that happened in a different part of the world and, and the lives that were impacted with that. And just seeing all of that as I was getting ready to come to the men's breakfast yesterday. And even while I was driving up here, I was just praying. And I was saying, God, I'm praying that you'll be with those families. I'm praying that you'll be with the nation of France and even our nation with everything that's going on here. God, we desperately need you. And as I was praying that, I just felt like God kind of stopped me and said, hey, Aaron, I have a specific message that I want to share with the church tomorrow. Now, in that moment, I reminded God, hey, the message is already done tomorrow. My notes are printed out, God. I've got my stories. I've got everything lined out. But I couldn't shake this feeling that God said, hey, there's something specific that I want to share. And as a pastor, I always want to be sensitive to what God is speaking. And and so he's going to redirect us a little bit this morning. But I believe this is something important that God wants to speak to us as a church, and so we're not continuing with the tipping point, but I want to share a message with you called Understanding the Times. And I want to challenge you with this, even if you normally don't, if you would reach in front of you and take out that card that says Sermon Notes, I'm going to be talking about some things that we believe as a church and some scriptures, or take out your smartphone and open up some notes on there. Don't get on other things, but open up some notes and write down some of what God wants to share with us this morning and of what we're being challenged with this morning. And I want to talk about this, about how important it is that we as the church understand the times that we're living in. We understand what is going on around us. Now, when we talk about this, a lot of times when we talk about the end times or the present times that we live in, um, we as churches, we don't share this maybe as much as we need to, or, or we have difficulty communicating this because some of it is hard to understand. 
when we look in Scripture and we look at what God was talking about, it's seeing into the future, and we don't always understand how all of those pieces are going to come together. But I believe this is vitally important that we know what Scripture says, and then, church, that we know this. We know how to respond in moments like this. And that's the important thing, that as we understand what God is saying, we know how we respond in moments like this. And so I want to encourage you to take out, to take some notes, and to look at this. Now, let me tell you this this morning. I'm not going to preach a doomsday message, okay? I'm not trying to predict when the end of the world is going to happen. Please hear me. That's not what this message is about this morning. But this message is that we would understand what Christ is saying, what the Word of God says about this time that we're living in, and how we respond as the church, and how we react when we see moments like this. And so at the beginning of the message, I want to talk about some things that we believe about the times that we're living in. And then I want to look at a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples in the scripture about the times that we're living in. And once again, how we respond, what what he is encouraging the disciples to do during this time. So the first thing that we believe about the end times, about the times that we're living in, didn't actually, it's not taking place in the end times. It happens at the beginning of creation. And that is, we believe this, write this down, we believe that sin broke our world. See, we need to understand that when we see what's taking place in the news, when we see everything that's going on around us, we need to understand, hey, this is sin that has broken our world. And we can go all the way back to the beginning of time in the book of Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, and we see this in Scripture. The Word of God says that Adam and Eve, that when they were in the garden, in the perfect place that God had created for them, they took a piece of fruit, they ate of it. And when they did that, that one simple act of disobedience not only affected their relationship with God, it affected the physical world around them. When you read what Jesus says or what God is speaking to them in the garden, he said, hey, because of you have done this, man, the ground is cursed. The earth is cursed at this point. It wasn't meant to be like this, but now it's going to be work and toil and labor just for you to even eat, for you to sustain life. Now it's going to be pain now in the world. There's going to be hurt and suffering, and you have allowed death to enter into the world. See, the world was never meant to be like this, but sin, our sin, and Adam and Eve's sin has broken the world that God designed, and it's broken it from the way that God had meant us to live inside of this world, so our world's broken. Now, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be a genius to look around and see the brokenness in our world. When you see terrorist attacks, when you see shootings in schools and in malls and in theaters, when you see people being abducted and and slavery and sex slavery, when you see all of this, you can see the world crying out, this is not the way that we were meant to exist. This is not how God designed the world. A matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the Romans, he said it's as if the earth itself is crying out to God. This is not the way it was meant to be. And so we realize that when we turn on the news, when we turn on the TV, this isn't how it was meant to be, you guys. There is brokenness in our world because of the sin in our lives and in other people's lives. The second thing that we believe is Christ is making all things new. We believe that. That's a hope that we have. Even in the midst of opposition, even in the midst of difficult times like this, we believe that Christ is making all things new. It says that in the book of Colossians in chapter 1 verse 20, that Christ, as he came to the cross, that he gave his blood to reconcile all things unto himself, to restore and redeem the brokenness in our world to himself. And that's what God is doing when we turn on the news, when we see things like this. We don't live in a, in a state of panic or hopelessness. But we understand that God has a plan. 
We don't despair in these moments, but we understand God knows everything that is going on in the world. He is in control. And church, this is our hope. This is not the way the story ends. Church, this is not the way the story ends. Evil doesn't win. Death doesn't win. Destruction doesn't win. But God knows what is taking place, and he has a plan for redeeming mankind and for saving the world. And we see that Christ is making all things new. The third thing is this. It's that Jesus is coming back. Now, as we talk about this, if you've not been around church a long time, some of these things may seem difficult, but I'm not giving you my opinion this morning. I'm not making this stuff up. All of this is found in Scripture. We believe that there will be a point in time where Jesus returns to the earth to take his church away with him. That everyone who believes in Christ, everyone who has a relationship with God, who is pursuing God, at that point, Jesus will call all of the church, all of the believers to himself. And we see in 1 Thessalonians that this will be a physical resurrection. Some, um, some parts of Scripture and some people refer to this as the rapture. And so you may have heard of this term, the rapture, where people will be taken from the earth. And this is what we believe. This is what Paul says, that those who have died in Christ. So people who have already passed away and they've died, that their bodies are going to be physically resurrected. And in one moment, in the instant, in the time that you can blink, their bodies will be changed. And we'll trade imperfect bodies for perfect bodies. No longer will sick and death and disease plague us, but the way that we were created to live, God will restore our bodies to the way that they were before sin entered into the world. And our bodies will be transformed. We also believe that believers, people who are still alive, the church of Christ, who are still here on this earth, that we will be taken up to heaven. We will be with Christ and we will go to be with, he with him in heaven. And this will take place here on this earth. We believe that that'll happen. Now, Christians see this playing out um, in a number of different ways. Some Christians believe this will happen before a time of war and tribulation here on this earth. Some Christians, um, from reading Scripture, believe it'll happen in the middle of that time. And some believe it'll happen at the end. But all of us as believers, we have this hope that at some point Christ will come back. He will return to this earth and he will call the church to himself. He will be reunited with his church. And then we also believe that a tribulation will happen. That there will be a time, as I just spoke about, Revelation 15 and 16 talks about this. Matthew chapter 24, that there will be a time of war on this earth. There will be a time of famine. There will be a time of disease where it just takes over the earth. And there will be great tribulation. There will be trials here on this earth. Now you may hear this and you may think, well, Aaron, all of that is going on right now. When you look at the AIDS epidemic, you look at disease that is happening, you look at famine and the issues that we have um, with feeding people and hunger in this world, you may think, hey, that's taking place right now. Is that the tribulation happening right now? But as Scripture refers to it and as God refers to it, this will be a time unlike any other time on the world that the world has ever seen or that the world has ever experienced. In this time of tribulation, it will have a global effect. It will affect the entire planet. The entire planet will immediately feel the effects of these things as Jesus talks about them in Revelation, what God is going to do. In this tribulation, this last time, is God's effort to call out to the world, to cry out to the world, hey, I'm trying to get your attention. So everyone that's here that's rejected God, that said, I don't want anything to do with God, this is God's last chance to say, hey, I'm calling you to myself. I'm asking you to repent. I'm asking you to come to me and to be restored unto me. And so there will be this time of tribulation where God one last time is calling out to the world saying, surrender your heart, surrender to my love, surrender to the grace that I have provided, receive my gift, 
in your life. And so this time will happen. And the last thing that I want to highlight is this. God has made a new heaven and a new earth for us to live in. We see the brokenness of this world. And in Revelations chapter 21, there was a prophet um, that lived after the time of Jesus that spoke this. He had a vision of what God was going to do at the end of time. And he said, hey, God, I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming out of the sky And Jesus says that, hey, this earth will eventually pass away. The brokenness will consume this world and it will be gone. But God has made a new place for us to spend all eternity with him, for us to live with him in heaven. Now, as we talk about this, as we talk about, hey, these are things that the church believes in. Once again, I know some of these things are difficult. It's hard to wrap our mind around things that are going to happen at some future time. But it's important that we understand what we believe and what this means for us as the church. And there's some reasons. God doesn't tell us this stuff so that we live in fear. Sometimes that's what we think. Maybe we think, well, all of this stuff is in the Bible just so we get scared and and we try to live our life so we don't make any mistakes and we don't mess up. And that's what God and that's what the church is trying to do. They're just trying to scare us into being good people. And that's not how God operates. He doesn't operate out of fear. He hasn't called us to live in this state of panic or he didn't give us this information so that we live in fear He wants us to know how we respond in moments like this. Now, our natural natural reaction may be fear in our life. And I can remember, I've shared this um, at different times, that I grew up in church. I grew up as a pastor's kid, so I knew what the Bible said. But in high school, I walked away from God. And I said, God, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want anything to do with the church. I'm going to live my own way. And so I started to do that. And I can remember one night, um, I think it was in the middle of my junior year, I called up my parents, and I said, hey, my friend's getting ready to drop me off at the house. I don't have my keys, so I want to make sure you're home, that the house is unlocked so I can get in. And they said, yeah, we're just hanging out here. So my friend dropped me off, and I go to the front door, and I knock on the door, and no one answers. And I ring the doorbell. I go to the garage. I look inside. I can see the cars in there. I walk around to the back of our house, and in the back there was this window, and I could see in the living room, and the TV's on, and the lights are on, and all of a sudden this thought hits me. Oh, no, this happened, Right? Christ has come back for his church, and I've been left here on this earth. And I start to panic. I know you guys are laughing, and right now it seems fun. I'm panicking. Like, I'm thinking, oh, no, the Bible was right, and all the, ch- the church and the Christians, they were right. They knew what they were talking about, and I've been left behind. Like, I'm, I'm stuck here. And I walked around to the front of my house, and I'll never forget, man, I can still see what it looks like. And I just sat down on the front porch, and I just start bawling like a baby. I mean, tears are just running down my cheek, and I'm panicking. My mind's racing. Like, what am I going to do? I know my parents should be home. The TV's, like, I'm looking at all of this, and I'm thinking, this really happened, and I missed it. And then a couple of thoughts come into my mind. The first is, I just have to wait for my brother to get home. There is no way, if the rapture happened, that God took Michael, because he's more jacked up than me, man. Like, there is no way he went to heaven. And so I thought, I just have to wait for Michael to get home. He's my older brother, and we can come up with some kind of plan. And so I'm sitting there. I'm sobbing, man. I'm, like, shaking because I'm so panicked about this. And I just start to think, okay, we're going to break into the house. We're going to steal all of mom and dad's credit cards and all the cash that they have. We're going to go get some guns and some groceries. We lived in Colorado. I was like, we'll go up into the mountains, and we'll just wait this thing out. We'll just wait this thing out, and maybe we can survive this horrible time that's going to happen here on this earth. And so I'm sitting there. I'm crying. Tears are running down my cheek. And all of a sudden, I see the car pull into my driveway. 
You guys, I'm telling you, I had never been so happy to see anyone in my entire life. My parents stepped out of the car, and, and mom looks at me. She's like, Aaron, are you okay? And I'm wiping snot from my nose and tears from my eyes. And I was too embarrassed to tell them what I thought had happened. So I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Nothing's wrong. I just didn't know where you guys were at. And, and so I went inside the house. But, man, there was fear in my heart in that moment. And sometimes we can think that, well, maybe God told us this, so we live in that fear, but that's not how God operates. He told us these things so that we understand how we should respond in moments like this, that we understand the times that we're living in and what we should do. A matter of fact, there's this verse in the Old Testament in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, in the nation of Israel, they're looking at what they're up against. They're looking at the times that they live in, and they're talking about the military might that they have. And so one nation or one part of Israel is saying, hey, we have this many soldiers, we have this many weapons, we have this army, we have these chariots. They're looking at all of those things, and they're taking account of how they can um, stop imposing armies and all of these things. And in the middle of that, God talks about a different group of men. And he says, in the tribe of Issachar, the sons of Issachar, there was a group of men who understood their time and understood what Israel ought to do about it. They understood the times that they were living in, and they understood what the people of God should do about it. It's as in the midst of everyone taking account of their military might says, wait, God's saying, hey, don't forget about this. It's not a strength in weapons. It's not a strength in soldiers or in armies, but it's people that understand the time that they're living in and what the response should be. In church, I believe this. When we see things like what we're seeing happen in our world right now, that we don't operate out of fear, we don't operate out of panic, but as the people of God, that we understand the times that we're living in and we understand how the church should respond. What is it that God is calling us to do? And so I want us to open up our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 24. And I want us to quickly look at this conversation that Jesus has with the disciples, that Jesus has with this group of men that have been around him. And if you don't have a Bible, you can reach in front of you. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you, and it's on page 538 in that Bible. But we're going to read through this conversation, this discussion that Jesus is having with the disciples, and they're asking Jesus, hey, how do we know when the end of the age is coming? How do we know when it's like the end of time and when everything's kind of coming to an end here? And so Jesus tells them some things about how they're to respond when they see these things happening and what this time will look like. And so Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to start reading at verse 3, and this is what it says. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them and said, See that no one leads you astray. See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all of these are but the beginnings of the birth pains. So what's Jesus saying to his disciples? Just hold your place there for a moment. He's telling them, hey, this is what it's going to look like whenever it's the start of the end, whenever it's beginning. These are things that are going to take place, but he tells them, you need to be ready so that you're not led astray. What does he mean by that? You need to be ready so that you are not led astray. He's saying, you know what? You're going to see these things and your faith can be shaken. You can start to assume, well, has God just stepped out of the picture? Is God gone? Like, did he just leave and he left the world to itself saying, hey, I hope you guys figure it out. You've messed up this world, so take care of it on your own. But he's saying, no, you need to be ready 
Because so you're not led astray, so that your faith isn't shaken, so that doubt doesn't come and take over your life. You need to understand God knew about all of this before one day ever happened. Before any of this ever started, God knew what was going to take place on this earth. It's part of his plan. And so he's saying, don't let your faith be be shaken in that way. Understand, this is not how the story ends. God is in control. He knows the brokenness in our world. And he has a plan to redeem and to restore all things unto himself. And so he's saying that, don't allow evil to distract you. Don't allow the wars and the rumors of wars. Don't allow any of these things to pull you aside and to take away your faith. Be strong and be ready so that you're not led astray when these things begin to take place. And so he's challenging them, how is your faith? He goes on in verse 9 to say this. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, as the end of time comes, as the end of the age begins to come, as things begin to wrap up here on earth, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be difficult times for the church and for believers. Once again, know this. Be ready for this so that you're not led astray, so you, you don't think, man, this whole world, it's against us. He's saying, hey, the world has hated me, and so it's going to hate you. Know that. If you thought I was going to become a Christian because things are going to be easier, that's not what the Word of God says. He says, hey, there are going to be difficult times, and this is taking place in our world today. I don't know if you're aware of this or how much you think about this, but this morning while we're worshiping together, there are churches in other places in the world that are under heavy persecution. This morning, there will be pastors that will be dragged out of their church this morning and held at gunpoint and beaten almost to the point of death. There will be churches in other parts of the world that are are under religious persecution where they will burn the church down with believers and with the pastor inside of that church. Jesus knew this was going to happen. He said, don't let your faith be shaken. Don't throw in the towel. Don't say, God, this is too difficult. But no, if they've hated me, they're going to hate you. But I've called you to be into this world, to be a light. So don't be led astray when these things take place. Church, and it's not too far off. We look in our own nation. And there's more and more laws that are being established that make it difficult to be a Christian here in this nation and in this country. We see that, and it shouldn't shake our faith. It shouldn't discourage us because we know, God, you already knew this was going to take place. You told us to be strong in our faith. You told us not to give up or not to throw in the towel, but to understand you're in control, God. You know all of this is going to take place, so our faith needs to be in you, not in what we're seeing around us. So he says that, be ready so that you are not led astray. In verse 11, he says, many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. He says this, there are going to be people who come at the end of time, and they're going to begin to preach things that seem good, but it is going to be false doctrine. This is why every week, church, whenever we stand up here, we say, hey, it's so vitally important that you are in God's word. That you read the word of God. Why? Because you need to know if what's being preached and what is being taught is sound doctrine. You need to know that when you turn on a radio or when you're watching someone on TV and they're preaching a message, is that really what the Bible says or are they preaching false teachings? And if all you do is open up the word of God, you open up scriptures once a week when you come into this place, you're not going to know God's word enough. You could be led astray. 
You could be taken in by false doctrine. And Jesus says, hey, you need to be ready to know what it is that the word of God says so that you understand what sound doctrine is because there are going to be people that come and their whole purpose is to deceive you. It's to destroy your relationship with God. They want to get you off track of what God is saying. And so you need to understand, hey, this is what sound doctrine is. This is what the word of God says. And this is what we believe as a church. This is so important to us because he says, hey, people are going to rise up and they're going to teach you wrong things. He goes on in verse 12 to say this. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. What is he talking about? He's saying, hey, as this time approaches, as you see all of these things, rumors of war and war and earthquakes and kingdoms against kingdoms and disease, as you see all of these things, you can know this, that the heart of some are going to grow cold. They're going to make a relationship with God more about church, more about religion, more about a list of laws than really pursuing a God who loves them. And church, if we're not careful, our heart can become can arrive in that kind of place where it's no longer about a relationship with God, but where our love for God has grown cold. So he's saying, don't be led astray. As you see all of this happening, don't think, well, obviously all of this is okay. If if it feels good, then I'm going to do it. No, he's saying, don't allow your relationship with God to suffer. Don't make this about other things. This is about a God who loves you and who wants to be in a relationship with you. So church, are you pursuing that relationship? Are you guarding that this morning? Are you making sure that today you love him more than you did a week ago, than you did a few months ago, than you did a year ago? You should be growing in your relationship with God so your heart doesn't become hard, but you're open to that and you don't make it about things that God never meant it to be about. What does that look like? Sometimes we get in arguments about petty things. We argue on Facebook about our favorite verse or about small things in the Bible than really looking about our relationship with God. We get in arguments about whether a red cup should have Merry Christmas on it or should not have Merry Christmas on it. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus did not come to die for that. That's not why he died. He came because he wants a relationship with you. He's in love with you. He's consumed with you. He'll do anything to call you unto himself. This is the kind of God we serve. And he says, when this end time comes, don't get distracted. Don't get caught up in these petty arguments. Look at what it really means to be in love with God and chase after that. Chase after him. Chase after a relationship with God. And so he's saying, hey, be careful. Don't get led led astray. Don't get caught up on all of these petty things. He goes on, if you jump down to verse 32, he says this, From the fig tree we learn a lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, we know that summer is near. So also when you see these things, all of these things that he's just talked about, he said, you know that the the end is near. It's at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, know the times that you're living in. Understand those times that you're living in. We do this like we look around and when the leaves start to change, my wife loves this time. She's from up north and so she loves um, cold falls where you have to wear a sweatshirt and where you're at the football game with coffee and hot cocoa and leaves changing colors and falling from the trees. Whenever you see any of that in the world, you know, okay, fall's getting ready to come. Winter is about to set in. All of these things, we see that. And Jesus said, hey, be smart. Be wise. 
Look at the world around you and understand what is taking place around you and know the times that you are living in so that you can be ready to respond. He ends this conversation with this right here, and this is what I want us to look at, verse 44 in this last part, because he asks the church to respond in two ways. He tells his disciples to respond in two ways, and it says this in verse 34, Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. And truly I say to you, he will set him over all of his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master's delayed, my master's not coming, and he begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drinks with drunkards, and the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, at an hour he does not know, and he will cut him into pieces and put him with the hypocrites in a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is saying, hey, don't lose sight of this. Be ready. Be prepared. When you see all of these things happening, know that the end is near. Know that the end is coming. Now, we don't know the date. It could be um, a few months. It could be a few years. It could be 20 years, 2,000 years. We don't know. But as we look around, it seems like some of what Jesus is talking about is taking place in the world. So our ears should be open. Our hearts should be ready saying, God, we want to be ready for whenever you come back. And he tells them, hey, respond in two ways. Number one is I've placed you in this world to be a light. Do you see that? As the master, he said, hey, it's like someone that goes away on a long trip and he said, hey, I'm leaving you in charge while I'm gone. I'm leaving you to influence and to take care of what I've placed you over. In church, whether we realize it or not, God has done that in your life. You're not in that job by accident. You're not at your school by accident. You're not in that class in first period or second period or whatever class. You're not there by accident. God has placed you there on purpose because he's given you influence with other people around you. You're there on purpose because you're to be a light while he is away. While he's in heaven preparing that place, he has called the church to be a light. And church, what are you doing? When God comes back, is he going to find you working? Is he going to find you sharing the gospel, sharing his light, influencing others, impacting others? Are you going to be a disciple maker? Or are you going to be like that faithless servant that says, I don't see him. He's probably never coming back. He's never going to be here again, man. I'm just kind of giving up. I'm going to do my own thing. Jesus said, if you do that, God's going to come at an hour that you don't expect and you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it, church. Let your heart be ready so that you understand how to respond when you see these things. The last way that we respond, it's in prayer. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm human. I was driving up here yesterday to the men's breakfast. And even as I was praying, I was so frustrated. And my only thought was, God, I hope those people died. I hope those terrorists that did this, God, I hope they died. They there must be some kind of justice in the world when I see this kind of hurt, when I see this kind of pain. God, how can this go on? Someone needs to pay for this. And Jesus reminded me, Aaron, someone did. I did on the cross. I took the full wrath of God on myself. You're wanting justice, Aaron. It's found in the cross. When I took all of the sins of the world, I took the horrible terrorist attacks. I took people kidnapping. I took sex slavery. I took the worst things that you can imagine, and I took them upon myself. I fulfilled the wrath of God. And now I'm extending grace. And Aaron, that grace isn't just to you or to people that you think are good. It's to the worst people in the world. 
And I just felt like God challenged me. Aaron, are you going to pray for them? See, church, we can so easily, we can think, well, the answer is in our military might. It's in some weapon that will stop the terrorists. It's in something that we could do as the government. It's in some rule or legislation. But the answer to the world is not found in any of those things. It's found in the person of Jesus. We cannot stop enough terrorists to end evil here in this world. It's only found in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to hear me. I'm not saying that our government shouldn't protect ourselves or any of those things. But if you're looking for the answer in that, you're going to come up disappointed. Because Jesus, he is the one, his work on the cross, that's what stops evil in our world. That's what change and transforms even the worst heart. Jason, our worship pastor, was sharing this morning as we ended prayer together as a church. Hey, you know what? The answer is found in Christ. It's found in Jesus and his work on the cross. And God has called us to pray for that. Even Saul, you look in the Bible, Saul who turned to Paul, he was a persecutor of the church. And one day while he's headed to Damascus, he has a vision of Jesus. Church, what if we got on our knees and began to pray that? Lord, in Muslim countries, in other countries where Christians are being persecuted, God, show up in visions, show up in ways that we can't even be there, God, and radically get a hold of people's life and change them, Lord, because you are the answer for the world today, God. It's found in you, Jesus. It's found in you. Church, we need to be ready so that we can respond, being a light in the world and praying that God would shine his light in the darkest places. And so I want us to do that this morning. I'm going to ask that we would respond to this message in this way. I've asked our worship team just to take a few moments. We're not going to take too long. And just to play some music. And I'm going to ask you in a moment to get up out of your seat. And if you're able to, I want you to come forward around this altar. We just want to spend about three or four minutes. And we just want to call out to God. We can look for all of these other things and all of these other ways to respond. But this morning, we need to spend some time praying together as a church. So would you do that this morning? Would you just stand up right where you're at if you're able to? Would you come forward? You can kneel down. You can lift your hands. You can stand over here to the side. But let's begin to lift up our voice. And if you're not familiar with praying, if you don't do this a lot, just begin to ask God to meet the needs of people that are broken to meet people that are hurting, that have experienced loss, and that God would use us as a light in this world, that he would raise up the church. Let's begin to lift up our voice and pray together that God would use us this morning. God, we come before you and we pray for that, Lord. We believe that, God, that you are the answer for the world today, God. You are the one who brings hope, Lord. You are the one, God, who brings peace, even in the midst, God, of trials and tribulations, even in the midst of difficult times, God, that you are the answer that the world is looking for, Lord. It's not found in military might, Lord. It's not found in the weapons that we have as a government, Lord. It's not found in the laws, Lord, but it's found in you, Jesus. So I speak that your peace and your comfort this morning, Lord, to people that are hurting, Lord. God, to people who are going through this weekend with a lost loved one, Lord, just having someone ripped from their life, Lord, in this morning, I pray that you would speak to them, Lord. Speak your peace, God. Speak your comfort this morning, Lord. Do that this morning, God. I'm praying for that, Lord. God, bring your peace, God. We believe that you've called us, God, to know this. Lord, you said this to us so that we understand how to respond. God, have your way this morning, Lord. Do that, God, in this place, in our world. Bring hope, God, bring restoration, Lord. Begin to restore the brokenness in our world, Lord. 
we believe that, that you're the answer, Lord. Even in extreme areas, God, even in countries, Lord, God, with other beliefs and other religions and Muslim areas, God, we're praying for your hope, God, and your peace, Lord. God, that you would come in and you would bring your love, God. You're pursuing people, Jesus, so speak to them. Open up their hearts, God. Church, I want you to look up here if you can this morning. You can stay right where you're at, but look up here. I'm going to be honest. This was a hard message to preach this morning. It's hard to wrap my mind around what God says about this time that we're living in. But I truly believe this, that God speaks messages to us like this, not so that we live in fear, not that we panic or we live in doubt or any of those things, but so that we know how to respond. You guys, he has left his church here. He's placed you here in this world, right here where we live at in your workplace, all of these things, so that we would be the light of Christ to the world that is looking for hope, that is looking for answers, that doesn't know how to respond to tragedy like this. Our prayer should be, God, raise up the church, Lord. Raise up the church, Lord, so that we can be your light wherever you have placed us, God, wherever we go, so that people could know your love, God, and your peace and your truth. That's what we're called to do. And so I want to close this morning just by praying over you. And I want to ask that you would pray with me. Just ask God to use you, that you would be an influence, that you would be ready so that you can respond in any moment, whenever that door opens, that you could share your faith in the love of Christ with people around you. So church, let's pray together. God, send us out and use us this week. Lord, we ask that this morning, Lord. You've spoken this message, God, not so that we're ruled by fear, Lord. Not so that there's panic in our heart, Lord. Not so that we're hopeless, but Lord, we believe that you are the hope of the world, God. And you're sending us out in this week, Lord. You're sending us into our schools. You're sending us into the workplace, Lord. You're sending us into our neighborhood, God. And wherever else we go, Lord, we are there so that we can be a light to a world that is broken, to a world that is dark, Lord, to a world that is desperately in need of answers, Lord, in your love. And so I pray that this morning, God, use us, use us in the world, Lord, God, to be your light to people that need you. God, raise up your church, and we pray this in your name. Amen.